Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 35. We're still in lockdown, but hopefully you're all well, you're all safe, most importantly. And once again, joining me on the podcast this week, Mark Denham. How hello, are you? Graham. I am bored, but I'm well, I'm healthy, and that's the main thing, isn't it? Well, we need to talk about the healthy factor because you have had... A little bit of an accident. It's not an accident, really. I um, th- Right, I'll just tell you the story. I uh, was going to bed on Friday night. I leant round my desk chair and over my desk to turn off my lamp, at which point I felt a shooting pain up my back and down my leg. Turns out that I have trapped my sciatic nerve doing something as simple <laughs> as turning off a lamp. So... Um, Saturday and Sunday, I was Saturday and Sunday. I had the mobility of a shopping trolley where the wheels are locked. It wasn't good, oh, but um, I am not. I'm a little more mobile now, uh, not in anywhere near as much pain. So uh, just going to wait for the body to do its thing. And the only good thing is, thankfully, this old body isn't going to be announced as signing this year because it wouldn't get through the season. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what, Mark? I've also had my own Go issues on. since we recorded the last podcast. I um, I, I picked up a spider in the house last okay. Wednesday with my hands, and it oh. bit me. And I have been waiting ever since to turn into Peter Parker. I know. With you, I'm. Um, it has got a little bit of swelling. I mean, it's not. It's not as major as yours. But the potential that I could become Spider-Man yeah. has left me both intrigued and interested. So um, I'll keep you all updated on that one. But yeah, that's... Uh, was that under the instruction about... of Mrs. B, was it? Get rid of that, Graham. Of course it Get was. rid of that. <laughs> it was It was crawling up the wall in the bedroom and I didn't find a glass and I went, picked it up. And the next thing I know, I had a bite on my finger. Yeah. And yeah, I've got a little bit of a... I do hope Mrs. B has given about. you sympathy since it was her instruction to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> but see, there was a little bit of sympathy. Yeah. Not, Not much. much. Just, there was just enough. There was quite quite rightly that there shouldn't yeah. be too much sympathy. Anyway, um, so yeah. We'll there we go. There's the close season injury Aaron. list done. Well, exactly. Data, listed day to day finger bite. Um, my favourite one I ever saw of that was someone who was listed day to day with twenty four hour yeah. flu. Really enjoyed that. The whole the whole concept of that was uh, was outstanding. But uh, it's a bit of a wet day as we're looking out the window. Um, and we've got a plethora of content to get through for you today. Lots to look forward to. Uh, we do have the players that got under your skin. I also have a challenge for Mark next week oh. as well, already set oh. up. Here oh, here we go. God. <laughs> He's just going to get that one ready. He's going to be wary all week long. Well, hang on a minute. Anyway. I'll give you my answer without even knowing the challenge. Roman Malenik. There we are. Uh, yeah, the, that's probably right. The president and founder of the Roman yes. Malenik fan, cl- fan club going in Hello for to the it. sheriff if right, you are listening. <laughs> let's roll hey look he's probably that one of the happiest men in the world right now czech republic coming out of lockdown yeah. getting out into the like i understand gyms are beginning to reopen you can leave the country you can do all sorts and here we are probably looking at a few more weeks mm. <laughs> 
but it's all for a good mean because we might be able to uh might be able to see the end of the line right, on just it. Gonna now, stay we, healthy we, haven't we stay safe stay healthy we, and as i've said on the radio all along uh wherever you are listening to this predominantly in the uk of course follow the uk government advice but wherever you are listening to this around the world follow the advice of your government it's based on science and it's based on fact and it is there to try and keep as many people as possible safe so please wherever you're listening around the world, follow the advice of your government or your health organisation. Does that include presidents? Well, apart from there, maybe. <laughs> apart from there, yes. Um, I was about to say, all of a sudden, well, I listen to the Bees Radio Network, but we do have listeners in America. I listened to the Bees Radio Network and they said to follow the advice of my government. So I went to yeah. my cupboard and picked out the yes. Domestos. <laughs> Today I've made a cocktail of Domestos, Dettol and Fairy Liquid. Oh, what a taste that! With very liquid, that's an interesting choice. Well, there. Is, that, is that to give it some? No, bubbles, they do say it? that hand soap no. does um, does kill it. And yeah, the other true. thing is, then you true. have to stand in front of a, uh, a a sunbed, don't you, to get the ultraviolet yes. light? You have to stand there in front of the sunbed with your mouth open to get the light inside you. Please, exactly. please, please so do not you, follow the advice of Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, as matters. a disclaimer, um, do not follow the advice yeah. of Donald Trump. Do not make any cocktails from your under-the-sink cupboard. <laughs> or even your over-the-sink. Well, it may Something be an over-the-sink well. cupboard, anyway, yeah. Just just don't go to the cupboard. Go to the liquor cupboard. If you're going to do anything, and children, don't go to the liquor cupboard either. Anyway, Should right, we move on before we get ourselves in a lot of trouble? Indeed. Actually, we've probably we still got that to come, one. haven't we? But we'll move on from this topic. Well, in, well, we'll move on to something that's slightly related. So, obviously, with uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus, the uh, season came to its curtailment. And, uh, unfortunately, the Final Four weekend was, I think, initially postponed. Um, but has now been officially cancelled. Um, however, there are a statement did come out from the IHA the other day stating that they are looking to host a game, a series of games, at the start of next season. So if you have got a ticket to the Coventry weekend, don't don't panic too much. There will be hockey. Um, we're going to hope to do something. So the club's released a statement. I've uh, been having regular conference and Zoom calls, not, not realising those are two different things. Um, it's unprecedented times. We're looking forward to more government advice. Um, all 10 teams are committed to playing in the 2021 season. Uh, but most importantly, we are looking to do this tournament or this event, hopefully at the Sky Dome at the start of next season. So if you want to use your tickets to that, it's hope fans will just transfer over their playoff tickets to whatever this event's going to be but you can try and get a refund uh refunds at planetice.co.uk that's refunds at planetice.co.uk but that due to consumer law it'll only be possible to refund tickets that have been purchased online so if you did buy your tickets in person or over the phone you'll need to wait until the sky dome opens up for business once again. Refunds will start to occur from the 4th of May. However, Planet Ice would like to ask for customers' understanding and patience, haha, as this is only a skeleton staff available at head office to process the refunds. So, process might take a few days, and you do need to include all your details, whatever they are, when applying for a refund. So, well, can I just go back if to you're the happy? original podcast, right? Uh, the original, not sorry, podcast, the original press release. Yes. The original press release yes. from the EIHA said that all hockey under the EIHA is cancelled until. Cancelled was the word used originally. Uh, obviously, for reasons of safety, we were, and still are, 
under the grip of a global health pandemic. That, to me, would mean all hockey is cancelled until such date, which is now extended, but all hockey was cancelled until such date. And my understanding of that was that then hockey could resume. Obviously, things have changed since then, but hockey could resume once we pass that date, as in like rec games, summer leagues and things like that. When I first read that press release, that was my first thing. We have since then had a couple of press releases that have come out that have moved the goalposts a little in terms of replacing that word cancelled with the word postponed. And I think what's genuinely happened now from the EIHA is that confusion has been caused and then amplified. No, no, look, I I 100% agree on this. And uh, I... I get where they're coming from. The Elite League are trying to do similar with this Magic 5 idea. You can roll over your playoff ticket to there. And I actually have no... I've got no problem with the idea of if you want to roll over your ticket to this other mm. event, please do. However, I do feel that it should be made very clear to fans uh, who some will be going through some tough personal times at the moment and could would appreciate a refund from a cancelled event. Some who will not have any interest in attending something that isn't the final four. There are people who just turn up for the playoff finals weekend. A season opening event might not have the same uh, desires and interests. And obviously it's a change world as well. Don't feel that you have to accept that this is just where your ticket's going to be. As Planet Iso said, if you've purchased the ticket online, you can go for a refund and they should give you a refund as well. Underline that should give you a well, refund. Well, under law, well. you are entitled to a refund because the event has been cancelled. Now, under law, it does say an event is cancelled, you are entitled to a refund. If an event is postponed, you're entitled to a refund if you cannot make the new dates. But the crucial thing here, I think, is the event has been cancelled and something else may take its place, which is not the original event. The original event was the playoff final four weekend, the big culmination of the season. Whatever is put on now may very well take place in the same venue, but it is a very different event. That, to me, would mean, under consumer law, the event for which you purchase tickets has been cancelled. You are, therefore, entitled to a refund from that. And if you wish to attend whatever event finally goes on as a season opener, then you can, but don't feel that you have to because you are entitled to a refund as the original event has been cancelled uh, and something altogether different is being put on. Yeah, I think I think it's really important to say that. Look, I, there will be a lot of people who, who will be sitting here right now on the, at the end of April, start of May, and thinking... Why didn't they just get the refund? It's a completely different... And look, as someone right now who's owed money by an airline, getting a refund out of airlines is proving impossible mm. right now and trying to work out the situation from that. And as sure, there are many people who have got holidays booked who are going through very similar situations, who have rebooked holidays and now having to rebook and rebook and finding all sorts of things. Look, it's a very different world right now. And look, when you do finally get through to Planet Ice and you do get... look. Those people who will be dealing with you day to day, it's not yeah. their fault that this is rolling on. Be respectful, be polite, be supportive of them because they're going to be, look, I don't know, the Skydome owns 2,400 people. There's not reason to believe that maybe 2,000 people are going to be looking for a refund here. Mm. Like, give them the time, give them the space. If your email doesn't get responded to within 
seven, 14 days, it might happen right now. Like they are going to be under the pressure to get this done. So give, give respect to those people, give some support to those people, have patience with it as well. I appreciate for some people, it will be a lot of money they're waiting on coming back, but just have a little bit of patience. The people who will be dealing with you on this day-to-day basis from planet ice are not the people who's why this has been an absolute, well, I'll use the word farce. Well, I think that's fair um, to say, isn't it? Yeah, entirely. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of people, not just in Planet Ice at the moment, there's a lot of people doing jobs that aren't their jobs and they're doing them to the best of their ability. Just remember, as Graham said, like, you know, when you do send an email, send a polite and courteous email because it's not Planet Ice's fault that the world is under a global health pandemic. It's not Planet Ice's fault that the event has has not taken place. And as you say, there are people who probably do very different jobs within Planet Ice at the moment who are all of a sudden going to find themselves with a a mass bundle of admin all to do with this Coventry Final Four weekend. So just send a nice respectful email and I'm certain that it will get uh, responded to. One other thing I will say is that I do still get coming through to me some emails from Bees fans who have uh, purchased tickets and I just want to say that, yes, the club does entirely empathise with you on wanting a uh, a refund from Coventry. Sadly, as a club, there isn't much we can do because the tickets weren't bought from us. So please do follow the advice given in that EIHA release. If you do want your refund, then contact Planet Ice politely, and I am certain that it will get done. As Graham has said, it may not happen overnight you may you know you could send your email today and you could be sat waiting for your refund to drop in the bank maybe on monday or tuesday it probably won't happen uh straight away because as you say potentially there's nearly two and a half thousand refunds to be processed here it's it's a big job it's a lot of work and for pizza for some of the people who are doing it it won't be their day-to-day job they will be going as quickly and as efficiently as they can So please, if you do want your refund, send in your email and uh, wait patiently. And I'm sure it will all get sorted out in the end. And it may very well be that you ask for a refund now. And then final uh, further details come out later on as to what's going on, perhaps at a different price, maybe a reduced price rather than the full final four price. And you think, oh, I'll have a ticket for that. But just if you do want a refund now, Send off your email, make it polite, make it courteous, and I'm sure it will get processed for you. Yep, exactly. Fully agree with you on that front. Anyway, let's try and move on to more positive things. We are looking forward to hockey returning next season. When that's going to be, it's still up to the gods right now. You look around at sport across the world right now, and you're seeing various plans to restart, and you're seeing seasons being voided like they've done with uh, in France, where the season has been postponed indefinitely and they will start again in, they're hoping in September following government law. The Bundesliga are hoping to kick off in Germany on the 8th of May, but that probably in the, uh, probably on the uh, cusp right mm-hmm. now. Premier League over here, you're probably looking around about June. That is their hope that they'll be getting going again well, in June. Well, they have started have training, a- haven't they? Like under strict social distancing and all the players are yeah, tested. They started individual training. Yeah. training. I mean, I saw a picture the other day of like a uh, a two ground two pitch stadium rather uh, training ground uh, and you just got one player doing drills on one pitch and one player doing drills on another pitch um you know yeah. it the other thing i will say here as well whatever your sport whatever you're into football 
ice hockey, cricket. Remember that all the players will have been doing their absolute best to maintain their fitness under these lockdown conditions. And that applies to any sport at all. But it's going to take them a little while as well. Once we're told, okay, right, you can play football from this date. You can start cricket from this date. The ice hockey season will start on this date. The players who have been kept away from gyms and and from regular training will all just need a little while to get themselves back into shape as well. So I don't think anything's going to happen instantaneously because, you know, like we're seeing in football, players are training individually on the pitch on their own at the moment. It's going to be a little while before those football players can get up to full intensity training and before they can start training again as a team before their football leagues kick off again. It'll be the same with cricket as well. Like the cricketers have obviously now missed the start of their season. Nothing is happening there at all. They'll need a little bit of time to get back into training. And obviously ice hockey would have been the close season now, but a lot of players will have been planning to have worked out over the close season, working on upper body strength, lower body strength, uh, rather than, you know, actual on ice drills. They'll be working on things like that. And don't forget, There are, of course, on-ice training sessions that teams do across the summer. They're pretty informal, but it just gets the, the, you know, a few miles in the legs every week and it keeps the players in top shape. So please remember, when the word does come that sport can restart, there is going to have to be a little bit of time for the players to get back in and to train and to get up to game intensity, whatever their sport. Indeed. Well, one guy already knows he'll be coming back next season for the TSI World Bracknell Bees is Harvey Stead. He's the latest signing, having picked up the Defenceman of the Year at the end of season awards. Uh, I think there's lots of delight that Harvey will be once again patrolling the blue line. And again, just another really solid signing, really strong signing to kick off the summer campaign. Yeah. Um, Harvey is a player that I have uh, watched from afar before uh, coming to Bracknell myself. And he's a player that I always thought had potential. And I've always looked and I thought, yeah, this kid's got potential. This kid's got potential. He's not a kid anymore now, but in the last year, I think he's really had a standout season. He's come to the fore and he has put his hand up as one of the leaders of that defensive core. Like you watch some of the things that he did last year. He has a tremendous attitude on the ice. He has a lot of skill on the ice. And I think the one thing that perhaps maybe is changing within Harvey is his belief within himself. Because you can see that Doug is happy to let him play in the tense situations. You know, like maybe in a tied game at the end of the game, perhaps two, three, four years ago, Harvey may have been one of the ones that got benched as they dropped down to, uh, you know, just the core players. Now Doug is putting him out there and Harvey is rewarding Doug by doing a brilliant job. And I think that's probably giving him great belief in himself as well. And you can just see, I think, that he's really, really, in the last year certainly, come on so much in confidence and that's allowing him to go out there and to play the game that we've always known that he could. And I'm I'm really, really happy that he is back. A good, solid, solid uh, defensive signing. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. I, I just think it's it's the complete right signing. It's it's uh, 
you look I've looked to see how Harvey's developed. I love I love everything that Harvey's done at the back and he's only gonna grow stronger as well with obviously Adam Goss returning in net as well. That you cannot underestimate the relationship between a goalie and a defenseman mm-hmm. and that's a huge learning curve for both as well. We've seen at various other leagues as well, like you go back even to Milton Keynes, where Milton Keynes for years had Barry Hollyhead in net. You knew how Barry Hollyhead was going to play in net for the Lightning. As a result, the Lightning were incredibly successful for a period with a team that wasn't necessarily the best team on the ice. But you knew that their defence, that was a solid core that had been together for years, knew exactly what he was yeah. going to do defensively. It's the same as when you look at like Jordan Maher in Peterborough now, and you look at Tom Norton, who's winning absolute rave reviews this year. But you add the likes of Stuart Robson to that, uh, Rob Ferrara to that as well. Callum Buglis is obviously now in his second year there. They've learned how to play alongside Jordan. They know if a shot comes in from here, the rebound... 95% of the time is going to go there. So I can track the rebound and I can pick up the pieces and play it out. It's a learning curve you have to go through. And the year before for the Harvey, obviously it was Dean Skins in net. This year was Adam Goss. And the year before that would have been Alex Metham. So in three years, he's had three starting goalies behind him. It's all about a learning curve. He goes into this year. He's had a full year with Adam. They know how each other play. And as a result, you'll see, you'll see just a, a natural confidence in each yeah. other about what they're going to do that will shine through and should bring great rewards for the bees at the back end next season. He's just become Mr. Dependable, though, hasn't he, at the back as well now? You know, you're not worried when Harvey's on because he can play the the solid game. But not only that, he does have like an offensive mind as well. Like, How many times did Harvey Stead start off a transition play last year with a, a brilliant pass. He has an offensive mindset as well, but he knows his responsibility is at the back. He will stay mainly at the back. He's going to be, as you say, uh, a great bond already worked out with him and Adam Goss. So he's going to be, I reckon, even better this year than last year. And I'm I'm really pleased that Doug has managed to bring him back. So that's there to look forward to. But in the short term, Harvey's got something more important that he's going to be chasing after, which is the Bee at Home Cup. Now, those of you who follow us on Instagram at The Bracknell Bees will have seen lots of promotion about this. We've begun to roll out onto the other social media channels as well. But really, Instagram is going to be the host for this, which is the Bee at Home Cup, which is an NHL 20 tournament taking place on the PlayStation 4. And it features the likes of your favourite Bees players, Stuart Mogg, Brendan Baird, Josh Smith, uh, Dominic Goodbye, Will Stead, Harvey Stead, Danny Milton, Zach Milton and James Galazzi all taking part in the competition. You've also got Buzz in there, the world's only eight-foot bee with uh, opposable thumbs, so he can <laughs> hold a controller <laughs> and take place. There's also a collection of fans who are going to be taking part as well. Really great to see it? so many of you getting involved. Now, this is where the problem is. We all of a sudden had so many people coming in. It was like, right, we'll do a 16-team tournament. And then I'm not I'm not going to name names here, but the person who's been looking after the entries, who may or may not wear the number 94 for the bees, without uh, naming any miscalculated names. without naming any names, he may have miscalculated, and as a result, we were one short. So, okay, I'll step into playing the tournament, no problem at all. What blinking team do I draw out? The Blimming Jets, ah. the Winnipeg Jets, <laughs> not the Slough Jets, but the Winnipeg Jets. So I feel like I'm competing on behalf of the Bees. I'm competing on behalf of us as commentators as well, because you know what? We we 
speak about how these players play during yeah. the season. I've now got to walk the plank. This is as near as I'm going to oh, get. Oh, do you know what? The like when you're playing, guys. I may have to get online and commentate on this. I may have to get oh, online. Fearing. But don't worry, though. It's all right, though, Graham, because all you need to look forward to is, what is going on here? <laughs> I mean, when you look at how I play NHL 20, especially with the Jets, who I've had, I mean, I've been, I've gone through an intense training session. I've been, had some big, long drills with my team, learning their strengths and mainly weaknesses. Um, uh, yeah. Confidence and is then, high in the Bell household. And for those of you who want to follow it, if you go on to twitch.com, T-W-I-T-C-H.com forward slash Bracknell Bees, you'll be able to watch every game. Uh, occasionally, we're going live uh, tonight where we're recording the podcast at 8pm with a couple of pre-season games. Don't know who's playing in them yet. Uh, and the main tournament, I think, is going to get underway on either Friday or Saturday. We're sort of just working through the last of the technical issues. But uh, occasionally, the guys have been jumping on there and having a game and... Uh, Unfortunately, Harvey is really bloody good. Oh, <laughs> oh, like outstandingly good. Was watching the. It was just watching him pick apart. I'm seeing um, here. I'm, I'm gonna... seeing here that Graham's wishing that we just released him as a player so he can partake in the be at home cup, and that would improve Graham's chances <laughs> of that. But just, I was just watching this, and I was like, oh my goodness me like i've tried scouting and i just have written down no hope cross that game off because the worst thing is harvey's in my group so because we are we are Are you predicting an uh, an early exit for your team (laughs) i'm really predicting an early exit uh we're supporting two amazing charities throughout this as well two that are very close to everybody's hearts here at the tsi world bracknell b so we have the mountbatten uh conference and we also have the young epilepsy Mm. conference as well and if you do watch any of the games on twitch look it's a bit of fun for everybody um it's not going to be taken that seriously although Stuart has now put a trophy on the line just to really like it's not going to be taken that seriously are you telling me there's a group of players that are not going to want bragging rights here come the end of this oh no they're going to Right, let, let, me, let, me, let me redefine this. I won't be <laughs> okay. <it> seriously. <laughs> but I'm sure everyone else will be, especially now Stuart's put a blinking trophy yeah. on the line as well. Um, but yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. But most importantly of all, it's an opportunity for us to try and help raise some funds for um, some amazing charities that we're very closely linked to. So if you do watch any of the games on Twitch, do take a visit to Mountbatten. We'll post up the link from time to time. Do take a visit to Young Epilepsy as well. Feel free to donate just a little bit of money if you can. Obviously, if you can't at the moment, for whatever reasons, that's perfectly fine. Sit back, relax, enjoy the sport. Uh, enjoy what is going to unfold over the next few weeks on there as well. Who knows? There might be a broken man come the podcast next All week. I can say is um, rather you than me because I've never really been a gamer and the last NHL game I played was on my PlayStation 2. On ESPN's okay. National Hockey Night. Oh, my life. Goodness me. Not even EA Sport. I remember that one. Goodness me. Um, it's really disappointing that we can't get the Sega Mega Drive live. Because <laughs> uh, um, I understand back in the day, Doug Shepard was a bit key on NHL 94. Oh, really? Mm, so I, I do have a Mega Drive in the loft. I just don't have a way to stream it. So I might have to... Um, you never know, dig it out and just challenge him to There's a game. There's got to be a way to I mean, stream that somehow. There's got to be a way to get like an input and an output somehow so we could stream that. The Graham Bell versus Doug Shepard NHL 94 Sega Mega Drive <laughs> Challenge. I'll even do a voiceover for you. There you go. I like that. And do you know what as well? Do you know, do you know who else I reckon probably has got a little bit of like crafty skill on the old game on. consoles from this... The, 
Stuart Robinson. I bet he has. I reckon secretly, like either he was probably a SNES man because that's the right thing to have been, not a Mega Drive person. Um, but he was probably a Super Nintendo man. I reckon. I reckon like I NHL. Have one of those. Oh, everybody had. So I've got, got one. NHL ninety nine well. on that. Oh, I know. NHL ninety seven was my hit hit period. The ninety five was good, but ninety seven. Although was I did have to remember, I dug it out years ago for my godson to play on. And he, why does it keep stopping? Why does it keep stopping? And I had to remember to turn off the two-line pass rule. Because obviously in NHL 99, the two-line pass rule was still there. Oh, look at that. The two-line pass. Just absolute gold. Absolute gold. Mm. Oh, Do you know what? Me. Like After we finish recording this, I might not even bother editing it now. I might go and get out my PlayStation 2 and get ESPN's National Hockey Night on. I think we, I think I think this is the perfect time in lockdown to bring out all the old retro consoles, bring out whatever you've got, Dreamcasts, whatever, and just have a little play on them. And what about the Atari? Don't take... Okay, you don't that t- I mean, back. I had a Commodore. <laughs> I had a co- there is in my dad's loft. There is a Commodore sixty four. Mm. In his loft, he has a Commodore sixty four, and uh, even more surprisingly, and definitely in the world of kids, you might need to ask your grandparents. A Betamax. Wow. He still has one in the loft. In my loft. I don't think he's got any tapes. In my loft, <laughs> there is a BBC Micro. BBC Micro B. Uh, proper flop, proper floppy in my, discs. Yeah, with actual <laughs> floppy disks that were floppy back in those days. Five and a quarter inch disks. Um, what were they? 3.14 yeah. megabyte or something like that? Got, yeah. Yeah. I've, Nothing on Well, it. I've got... Um, I, I know somewhere I've got my Super Nintendo. And I've got the PlayStation 2. Uh, I do also have, and I don't know why I've not thrown this away. Uh, a couple of years ago, my godson's PlayStation 4 broke. And I said, well, don't worry, I'll fix it. And I've taken it to bits as much as you can. And I've tested as much as I can. And I am 100% certain that the actual motherboard inside it is what's gone. But for some reason, I've still got it. I don't know why I've not just thrown it away. It's never, ever likely to work again. It's just it's just hard to throw those things away. Just makes me look like a gamer. The fact it's sat under my telly, I look like a gamer. Well, exactly. And I feel that you're going to see over the course of the Be at Home Cup, which will be across twitch.com forward slash Bracknell Bees, you'll see elements of that. And as I say, look, it, more than that, look, it's going to be great that there's a load of fans taking part and the players as well. You're going to see some real gamers. You're going to see some, like, I've always had a game console in my life growing up. It's always been a part of my life since well, probably I was about nine. Yeah. So really, like, it's something that's within you. It's going to be good fun, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And who knows what it will spawn off when we can get all back together. Maybe there's going to be a big night of gaming in the uh, the Bees Knees bar. Who knows? Maybe that's where it could go down to. Now, I mentioned Stuart Robinson, and it wasn't just a random pluck out in the mid-air, although I do think he would be quite crafty with a... Uh, with with the uh, console in hand but uh, obviously on last week's podcast we were uh, well a couple of weeks ago podcast we were asking for your all-time all-star teams of teams that you've been involved with or supported etc um and this sort of Stuart, obviously long time listener was a patreon subscriber as well back in the day as well thank, thank you, you Stuart. Support thumbs up mate Stuart. thumbs up Thumbs up, thumbs up. But uh, Stuart um, has done a little bit of digging for us. Um, well, doing a little bit of digging, but for those of you who remember back to the turn of the 
oh, the sort of middle of the noughties, this is. You remember that BBC Radio Berkshire used to cover these games with uh, Andy Stevenson and Ollie Williams on the calls for them one. And uh, one of the great moments, obviously, for Stuart was uh, when the Bees won the EPIHL Cup all the way back in, I've got to get this right, 2008, 2007? I really should have done my research for this. I want to say 2008. I, I think right. it may have been 2008 because that was then the year, I think, that Slough went on to win the playoffs. So I think it was 2008, turning the disappointment of the, the cup for Slough into the, the joy of the playoffs. So I think it was probably yeah. 2008. Yeah, so that two, so that 2008 um, cup final obviously went to overtime. It was after two legs. And uh, we've actually can bring you a little bit of a clip right now of the moment when the Bees won the EPIHL Cup. Sticks everywhere. It comes to Kanka. Melikar! It's in! It's in! Jan Melikar has won the EPL Cup for Bradnell Bees. It was a power play, four on three, and they've made it count. Jan Melikar wearing the player coach Dwight Parrish's jersey. Has scored the winner. The Bradle B squad all on onto the ice. Oh, what a way to win it. What a way to lose it. Overtime goal. B's win. 6-5. What is it about loud and annoying commentators? Anyway, um, the main reason for this, thank you for that from, from Stuart, but also he has sent in his selected B's team. I'm just going to read the paragraph before this. And, and he says, uh, this is tough as I genuinely feel a strong attachment to everyone who has won the black and gold in the two spells that Katie and I have looked after the B's. I've therefore gone for guys who not only gave everything on the ice, but were great fun to be with it off it as well. And there's a few little additional bits we have to write for this. So let's start in goal, shall we? Okay. I just want to say, before you start this team, right, are you going to rib Stuart the way you ribbed me? Because when I did mine, you said you've just picked all your mates. That last bit of Stuart's email, but also great fun to be with off it. Are you going to rib Stuart now the way you ribbed me? Wow, this is a real great defence for me, but I don't see Derek Rail in this team. So, no. um, <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, at um, least his no, netminder is stronger than your versus B's netminder. Well, here we go. I mean, but people can be great fun off the yeah. ice. You don't necessarily have to be friends with them. Mm. Should we just do Stuart's team before we before yeah, we get into a before we get into a domestic on the podcast? Domestos, we've already mentioned no, that. No, anyway, no, not um, that. right. Not all that. Right, so, netminder, Greg Rockman. Don't think there's any real surprises there. Uh, defence, and I was really happy that um, to see this name come up because I do think it gets a little bit lost in Bees history, what this guy did at that time. But Dwight Parrish, obviously the uh, player coach for the Bees at, at one point. And putting alongside him, he's put Sam Oakford. So, big tip for Graham Bell there in his box. There yeah. you go. Matching up with me, quite rightly. Um, Stuart, and that says... It's a tough call between Dwight and Jan Malakar, who scored that uh, game uh, cup-winning goal, as they were both unbelievably nice guys. Mm. I still think Sam was one of the best British defencemen of his generation, and to see him come through was a privilege, uh, privilege even, much like it was latterly with Josh Tetler. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Parrish was always a hard competitor to play against as well. Um, yeah. He really was. And, and, you know, he was really good at what he did. Um, I mean, for Stuart, this must be really tough to be picking like out a team like this. Must be really, really yeah. tough. But 
I think, you know, it's a tough call, I'd imagine, between Dwight and Jan Melikar. Jan Melikar is one of the nicest guys you could ever hope to meet. Uh, but I certainly, I always remember Dwight Parrish being a real mean competitor to play against. And do you know what the thing was as well with Dwight? Is he made it look effortless. Yeah. Like, and, and look, look, at the end of the day, you don't play in the AHL, you don't play in the ECHL, you don't play in the Super League being a, a crap hockey player. Not to put a too fine a point on it. He <laughs> made it, he made point. it, yeah, he made it look effortless as a player. Yeah. And I think, look, he was never a guy that was going to hit, uh, put, rack up loads of points. He was never a guy who was really going to take a lot of penalty minutes as well. He was just a very solid defenseman and who did a really strong job. Not the biggest guy on earth, but just did a really solid job defensively. So, yeah, and he's kind of someone who does get forgotten about three years at the Bees. And it kind of just gets a little bit washed over what, what he was what he was able to mm. do in his time at the Bees. So really grateful to see him get the uh, shout out here. And then we move on to the forwards. Um, so we have. So obviously Dwight Parrish is one of his two imports and really happy to say that uh, Stuart has played by the rules as well. No reclassified players. You can't, uh, you can't so, bring that up when Steve Murray selected three imports. Never mind three well, reclassifieds, and you're bringing up my just, one reclassified. Steve Murray didn't he pick a player who didn't even play for Brack. Well, so. well done, Steve. Thank you. But no, well done, Stuart, anyway, for uh, sticking to again, the, he's the got rules and the spirit of the rules. Exactly. Then that spirit of the rules could have changed either way for your Stuart. If you had put in reclassified players, it would have been perfect. <laughs> Uh, anyways, <laughs> look, I know where my bread's buttered. Right, on to the forwards then. Uh, Peter Yassick gets the shout here. Great little shout there. Along with Sean Thompson and James Galazzi. And now into the notes for this. Again, tough call between Gazza, Scott Spearing and Matt Ford. Without doubt, three of the funniest guys I've seen on the bench, the bus, in training and in the changing room. All true leaders, but Gazza edges it just for his constant standing up for his teammates. In terms of other imports with immense character... Then Michael Pink or Camille Tverdek, both barking mad and great fun. But Yazzie just went quietly around his business, never complained and loved the hive. It's a good combination, isn't it? It's a good combination. I mean, I, I obviously I know Sean Thompson. I know James Galazzi. Didn't really know Peter Yassik that well. But um, certainly I did know Camille Tverdek because he came to Slough in that very final season. Yes. Um, and, I mean, he was an awesome player. When you say made it look effortless, he could go like 0-60 to in, in milliseconds, never mind seconds. He was effortless. But certainly, you know, from many years of watching the Bees as opponents rather than working with the Bees now, you, I don't think you can knock Peter Yassik at all. He was, uh, you know, very businesslike, very professional on the ice. And everyone I've spoken to about him said that he was such a nice guy off the ice as well. And, you know, like you can't knock that as well. Sean Thompson has been around the Bees for a long, long, long time. In fact, retired from the Bees as well. Um, and then you've got James Galazzi, who is still going. So, I mean, when you look here... Stewart's covered quite a span, hasn't he, in terms of uh, players in his roster. You've got James Galazzi, who is still going, just announced back for his 11th season at the Hive this year as well. And you know what? Like I've said, when we announced James's signing, his game has changed so much, hasn't it? Because James has been around the game for a long time now. The game has changed. James could so easily have ended up an out-of-place dinosaur, but he hasn't. He's adapted his game. And that makes him still relevant. And that makes him still one of the first names that Doug Shepard went after this summer. So, 
You know, if Doug Shepard says he's okay and Stuart Robinson says he's okay, he's definitely got a thumbs up from me. Yeah, indeed. Thanks for that, Stuart. Really good to uh, go down memory lane there a little bit. And uh, the fact it's such a span of players is just because he's old. Um, anyway, right. <laughs> so you, um, your bed, uh, bread was buttered. Yeah, yeah. You throw some jam on it. Let's see what <laughs> happens. Um, right then, just very quickly, um, watch party. Um, this weekend, thanks for all you tuned in last weekend for the EPIHL Cup victory over the Hull Stingrays. Nearly said the other word there, but Stingrays. So appreciate that one. We're going back down to just the one game on the Sunday this weekend. And it's a big thank you to Tony Knott, who actually reached out to Dan from Barks and Beyond and myself and said, I've got a couple of tapes laying around. Don't know what's on them, but hey, more than welcome to have them and have a look. And if they're any good for you. More than happy for you to put them out on air. Yeah. So Dan received the package from Tony. Really grateful for him posting it along. And within the package was the game that we kind of wanted and the game that we really wanted to have a copy of. It is the night that the Super League trophy was lifted at the John Knight Leisure Sport Complex. Now, the game I'm going to reveal, the Bees lose the game, but it's all about the post game where obviously the trophy gets lifted. This, it was a sellout at the Hive that night. You couldn't get a seat. You couldn't get a standing spot in the building. It is well worth tuning into the watch party this weekend to see what it's like when the Hive is packed to the rafters. And we're talking turn of the millennium packed to the rafters as well. So health and safety was beginning to come into it a little bit, but it wasn't. it's not as tightly restricted as it is now. And just look at the building and just look how they squeeze so many bodies into the building this night. So, yeah, it's it's probably the pinnacle in the history of the Bracknell Bees is the lifting of that Super League trophy at the turn of the millennium. And it's well worth watching all those familiar faces um, walking forward to lift the trophy. But also tune in to watch the Hive just be alive. No other word for it. It's quite emotional watching it. And you, 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 it kind of underlines like a lot of the reason why when there was an opportunity for... Um, Doug said, look, this is happening. Do you want to be part of it? Why I jumped in to come in? Because I want to be part of something where we can try and refill this building and we can try and get it back to those days where it really was the pinnacle of the community. Yeah. Um, sport is great at uniting people, isn't it? And, you know, back in that day, the the bees were, uh, the bees were on to win that Super League. And you could just see... Like, I mean, even for me, turn of the millennium, I was still in Slough. But there was so much talk about the bees are doing this, the bees are doing this, the bees are going to win the Super League, the bees are doing that. And there was just so much talk about it in and around the the whole area, not just Bracknell, but in and around Berkshire as well. And that does, you know, sport is a great place to to spend your Sunday evening. But not only that, like, you know, how many friendships have been made around sport? How many people that were there at the Hive back on that night when the Super League trophy was lifted still go to the Hive every weekend of the season now? And how many of them, while we're all in lockdown, will still be calling each other, Zooming, Skyping, whatever, because they made great friendships there as well? And yeah, there have been some trying times in between now and then. But there is absolutely nothing to say that we cannot aspire to filling up the hive once again and going on to lift the National League trophy 
on our own home ice. There is nothing to say that cannot happen. But as you say, this is probably the pinnacle. Uh, and if you ask, I guess, a lot of the longer-term Bracknell Bees fans, this will certainly be probably one of the biggest highlights of their time watching this club. And the fact that we have now managed to get a hold of this game, thank you so much for sending it in, does mean that we can share it with you this Sunday. Uh, the links will be out on social media. Whatever you do, like go onto YouTube, set a reminder. It will be set as a premiere, set a reminder, so you will get notified. Uh, you can also, of course, set a reminder on your phone or an alarm or anything. This is a game that you do not want to miss. Not even so much as Graham has said for the game itself, but for the game night experience, a packed hive and all of the emotion and celebration at the end when that trophy is lifted high. Yeah, and it really is hard to imagine as well at that time that the, the, the Bracknell Bees being one of the smallest clubs yeah. in the Super League. You think in that era, sure, you've got the era now with the Steelers, you've got the Panthers, but back then you also had Newcastle, you had Air. You had the Manchester Storm in that giant building. Yep. The Belfast Giants were just about to come rip all the Bracknell Bees players across the uh, the water. You had all these, you had the Cardiff Devils, a fairly big club, like all big clubs. And then you had this little corner of Berkshire that just won the league. And look, I appreciate there are those who will always say in this sport, the playoffs are more important than the league. I get that. But in the same breath, like it was an amazing achievement, a season-long success for an incredible team, an incredible time, and, and really, it is well worth it. So, yeah, once again, thanks to Tony Knott for unearthing those games. Also, more importantly, if you have any games sat at home that you're either got on VHS or you, or whatever, if you'd like to see them digitised, we can send you, if you've got them on VHS, we can digitise them across to DVD for you and send you the DVD and the tape back so that you'll be able to watch it then if you're happy for us to use it as well. Please do get in contact with us. Drop either me, Graham, at bracknellbees.com and email or mark, mark at bracknellbees.com uh, and we'll be more than happy to take your request, more than happy to uh, to see your take. More importantly, there is a couple of games from the 99-0 and the 0001 season that we want and they're mainly games that involve the London Knights and mainly Chris, Mc, Chris McSorley getting sticks remeasured. Mm. Um, that we want to, those are the games that we would love to get hold of. They were broadcast on Sky. So if you've got old VHSs laying around in the loft or, or, or in the back garden or Betamaxes <laughs> or whatever you've got, if you've got them, please, we we are we would love to take them. We'd love to digitize them for you. We'd love to put the games out as part of our watch party. I know there's other fans who are still going, oh, we need some more modern games. They're coming. Don't worry. But I think it's really important to remember we are only just rolling into May. The season could still be another five months away. Think of it in those mm. terms. We've got a long we've got a long time. We've got a long space of time to cover. We will get towards some of the more modern games. We'll also make sure we get permission from the right people to show <coughs> the games. Hey Milton Keynes. Um and then we'll move then we'll be able to do it. Yeah. But really, if you do have games, please do reach out to to myself, to Mark. We'll put you in contact with Dan. And we'll be extremely grateful to have the opportunity to see those games on tape. You have a challenge for me, don't you, coming up still, which I yeah, am waiting yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Based on something you said there, in your opinion, in the UK, the league or the playoffs, oh, which yeah. one for you? League, 100%. See, I every would day, say every that week. too. I would say that too, uh, because I think if you look at the NHL, the league is almost like a qualification. It's like a warm-up. 
but the gruelling schedule you have to go through to lift the Stanley Cup, best of seven series, extending overtime, that I think makes that something really, really special. And just because of the way the infrastructure is in this country, there's no way that we could ever replicate that. There's no way we could replicate that. So for me, winning the league is the real pinnacle because that means that you were the absolute best team across the biggest competition. Between September and the end of March, start of April, you were the best team across that period. So for me, I would always say the league. Yep, 100% agree with you. It's always the league for me. Although winning um, the playoffs is nice because it means you won, it's your, lovely when it happens. Means you won your last lovely. game of the season. It's lovely when it happens, yeah. but and you're champions for summer, etc. But always, always, one hundred percent for me will always be the league is more important yeah. than the playoffs. Well, we could right just go for the next treble year. next year. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's always on the table. There you go. Right then, just to quickly before we move on to our main topic of the podcast, which is kind of hard to believe at nearly the forty-five minute <laughs> mark here, um, just a couple of bits of signing news. Quite weak across the league, but uh, James Griffin has re-signed in Milton Keynes. Really strong defensively. Going to be interesting to see what else comes out from MK. There's some always the hockey rumours are swirling around at the moment. Uh, and one player who left, but then instantly found a new home in the NIHL National, Luke Johnson. So he has left the Swindon Wildcats. I know Luke did a lot of stuff off the ice in Swindon as well. So it's uh, going to be a bit of a miss for them off the ice too but he is now winding up in Peterborough obviously losing the likes of James Ferrara and Martin Susters so Luke Johnson is one of the pieces of Slava Kulikov's puzzle that he's uh, moving in there but yeah really quite weak for signings in the NIHL National we did say didn't we like a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the departures from Peter we did say how is Slava gonna fulfill them well you know there's a uh, promising young player that he's uh, managed to attract as you say uh, Luke was also obviously uh, doing stuff off the ice in Swindon as well. So that's going to be an interesting one for them to fulfill because not only do you have to replace Luke Johnson, the player, you have to replace Luke Johnson off the ice as well. But things have gone very, very quiet, haven't they, in terms of the uh, the signings. I guess it's just very difficult, isn't it, for all the teams to know like at what pace to go because – me, I've always liked to drip feed the players. So you don't just say, you know, like, all right, it worked for Peterborough last year. They came out and said, right, we've re-signed our entire team. I, I don't really like to do that. I like to keep a bit of suspense going. I like to, you know, drip feed announcements out. And then obviously, like, you're building towards the start of the season. The honest truth is now, we're not entirely sure when the start of the season is going to be. It could be that we start a month late and maybe we extend a month. It could be that we start six weeks late and perhaps compress the season. We don't know yet. But in terms, certainly, of announcing players, you don't want to have, like, given everything away by, you know, the, say, the middle of July and then find, ah, now what do we do between now and October? Lots more watch parties, I think. Yes. Is it? <laughs> anyway, right then. So we set the challenge last week to each other. Uh, more of a conversation point. I wouldn't say this isn't the challenge that's coming next week. Mark's going to hate me when I announce it. I might anyway. miss my first podcast of the season next week. <laughs> I may be unavailable so was... due to... Oh, no, there are no other commitments, <laughs> are there? I've got that other... Oh, no, there's no yeah. 
so obviously last week we were talking about players that uh, sort of got under your skin a little bit and the likes of Milan Kostarek came to mind mainly from his time in Milton Keynes where he just as a player you respected his ability you loved what he could produce on the ice but he just got under your skin and frustrated you and then we moved on to talk about the likes of uh, Vizio Sacratini and such like as well so I said to Mark well hang on here this is a this is a perfect podcast discussion point what are those players over the years have got under your skin that you didn't enjoy watching as a as a fan or as a or as a official at a club but you also respected their abilities as a player as well or you can just talk about those players that were proper rink rats who that you just sat there and you just went i can't stand this guy i hate seeing him play um right do you want to roll first or do you want me to roll first? you know what i mean there is a bit of guilt here in this, given that we are doing the Bees Radio Network podcast. Uh, but my first one is Yaroslav Chesky. Um, never, ever a player that I enjoyed watching and certainly got under my skin like the minute he came out for warm-up, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> just that the minute he skated out for warm-up, I thought, oh, there he is. And he's, he's you know... He was very successful for the Bees. He's now gone on to be uh, an official as well. But certainly as a player, he was one that really, really got under my skin. And if I'm honest, I just didn't really like the way he played the game. I mean, it may have worked and it may have been effective for him for his time with the uh, the Bees. But he was just never really a player that I appreciated the way he played the game. I mean... Like you look at some players and they're they're horrible to play against because they're tough. But you think, do you know what? Fair play, good game. You know, you played it hard. Uh, unfortunately, Yaroslav Chesky was one for me that you know I just couldn't ever say, yeah, well done. You played it hard. You played it fair. I just I just got under my skin. But as you say, it's one of those like obviously uh, Chesky. Ended up uh, playing in Basingstoke yeah. as well, and, and like one of the nicest guys off the ice. Oh yeah, he always is. good for a chat. He is always good for a wonderful conversation. But as you say, peak era Yaroslav Chesky. We're talking when he first rocked up with Michael Pink, who's already been mentioned in the podcast elsewhere. Peak era. He that combination was, just, was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that combination oh. was on everybody's lips, wasn't it? You know, like I certainly know, like one of the questions coaches were asked were, "How do you shut down Pink and Chesky?" Was one of the questions, and you know, like the, he was effective. He combined well with Michael Pink as well. And he is actually a lovely guy when you speak to him. He really is a lovely guy. Uh, and he's just started out, obviously, officiating. And good luck to him with that as well. And I will say one thing. Like, you know, despite my opinion of him as a player, I think it's great that somebody who did have a career and quite a successful career as a player has actually, like, you know done the right thing now out there in the stripes giving back to the sport that gave him obviously a playing career nicest guy off the ice but i just just found him so 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 i don't know tough to play against yep no agree and as you say like he was one of those players who that 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 certainly those first two years i think afterwards when he went to swindon and 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 then bounced around a bit he wasn't as effective for that first season and Look, it was well known. I mean, if any official's going to know what a simulation call is, it's probably Yaroslav Chesky, um, to put it very politely. Because there was, he did have a, a, a reputation as being, he'll take the lightest contact and he'll make the most of it. Yeah. And you can sit on two, you can sit on two fences on that. 
Because if you don't do that, then maybe you're not going to get the call. So real two-way fence on that mm. stuff. But yeah, I think a really great shout out to Chesky there. Just and and I've I've got to be 100% honest with you. My list here is maybe the most xenophobic list I've ever written in my life. Here we go. Because <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's that guy, that guy. And then I looked at it and I went, there's not many Brits on there, is there? But there were British players, like you go back to, and I'll mention one that will probably send a shiver up Mark Spine, but Kurt Irvine. He is on my list. <laughs> he is on my list. <laughs> there was, like, that that era of Irvine when he was knocking around the Blaze and he was knocking around... Milton Keynes with the likes of Gareth Owen and such, like, just proper, proper, just under your skin. The real agitators of the sport. Mm. No, he um, he was legend. certainly on my list, so uh, we don't need to go into him much more now. But uh, I did yeah. have him on my list, and I have to say, I do remember uh, like a really, really nasty incident playing for Milton Keynes against Slough involving... Kurt Irvine, for which he did get quite a uh, a lengthy ban. But I just thought, you know what? He just runs around the ice like a hothead. And there probably is skill in there somewhere, but there's no time for it to show because he's too busy just avoiding or trying to avoid the rules. And it just, just being Kurt Irvine. Yeah, just being <laughs> Kurt Irvine. Um, yeah. God, I've gone to look at this. He's been retired over like 12 years now. Mm. That's crazy to think. Crazy to think he's been retired that long. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. You've gone for a bees player. I'm going to put my bees player on the line here, and I don't think it will surprise anybody with this one. Frankie Bakalik. You absolutely respected him as a goal scoring forward. His presence on the ice was immense. He was at times in the EPIHL and the NIHL the best player in the league mm. when he played hockey. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was too much with Frankie where he kind of let himself down. He came with the reputation as being a tough guy. And there's no problem with guys playing on the edge. The issue with Frankie I always disliked was he took that edge just a little too far. And there's too many instances over the years. There was one in Basingstoke where he put a clean headshot on a player, which I've never... It's the wor- one of the worst hits I've ever seen. It was a headshot. It wasn't even, I'm going to try and play this. It was a headshot. He had the stuff with Mason Webster as well. There's loads that rolls on over the time with Frankie. Don't doubt me. Frankie is a hockey player who could put up the goals, put up the assists, be the most dominating player, take a game on the back of his net, uh, on, the back, on his back and win it. You wanted that guy. Yeah. But you didn't want the guy who then sat in the penalty box for another 10, 15 minutes each game. Do you know what? Like, obviously, Slava Kulikov first brought him to the EPL when he signed him in his first year in Slough. And that was Slava's first coaching job as well, Slava's first coaching appointment. And I'd argue that that was the the very best of Frankie Bakalik in that year in Slough, where, yes, there were antics, but it was no nowhere near as bad as some of the things that went on further. And... I'll be honest, like, you know, I was sad to see him go from Slough. Uh, And then we replaced him with Alice Padalek. And Frankie, the antics started going up and up and up and up and up. And you're thinking, there's so much talent here, but you can't show it because you just sat on your backside in the penalty box for so much of the game. And in fact, I'm glad that we've got Alice Padalek now and not you because, you know, Alice Padalek is out there doing his business on the ice you're having to sit down in the penalty box and getting suspended. And I just think, you know, 
It's hard for me to say that because he did play, obviously, a season for a club that I was involved with at the time. And I think Slava got the best out of him as a player. But when you look at, I guess, some of the antics that went on in other clubs, you think, yeah, do you know what? Like, you, you, it was, there, there is an undisputed ton of skill in Frankie Bakalik. But there's just too much that goes on around it. And the skill just doesn't get enough time to show because of the penalty minutes and the suspensions. Yeah, exactly. And as you say, if, would he be the same player without this? But the thing with Frankie is I think he picked up too many big penalties. Yeah. And I know that he, and I, I can remember him saying at the time, the referees are out to get me. They don't understand. He was a watched foot. man though, wasn't he? That's the oh, thing. Yeah, he I was think marked, he was a, watch, yeah. a watched man. You know, he's a big unit, Frankie Bakalik as well. Um, yeah, but I've seen big units who can throw clean hits. Yeah. That's the difference. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Chris Wiggins, obviously, was uh, a, a big lad, wasn't he? Chris Wiggins was whole, a big he's... lad, but never, ever got in the trouble that Frankie did. Yeah, occasionally. Well, yeah, yeah no, but Chris Wiggins <laughs> won't be remembered, though, will he? The same way that For a Frankie is. Game ban. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Wiggins did play a rough game. Make no mistake about it. I remember seeing uh, Chris Wiggins absolutely ragdoll Adam Greener. Nobody had come near Adam Greener until Chris Wiggins took him on. And I think, you know, when you look at the skill that Frankie Bakalik had, I think he'll be remembered more for the fact that he didn't get to fulfil it in this country because he spent too long in the penalty box. Whereas Wiggins, who was also a big lad, just played the game hard, but that little bit cleaner. Yeah, indeed. There was there was one there was one year, one and a bit year with Chris under Steve Morrier yeah. in Basingstoke, who turned him into a proper power forward, uh, and really had a good role for him. And then, unfortunately, age, etc., kicked in with Chris, and that's why, sadly, he's retired. He should still be going right now. He's only a, what thirty two, thirty three. Didn't he have a serious knee operation? He's he had knee operations. Yeah. He's had shoulder problems. Yeah. Like he he's had the work and like and. Obviously, he was from a young age a big body, and and look, big bodies like that aren't supposed to play sport. No, unfortunately. <laughs> but he played it well when he played it, though. You know, exactly. he played it well when he played it. And as you say, he is still only a young man. He should really still be out there, but unfortunately, the body just won't let him now. No, exactly. Um, anyway, right. So we got Frankie. We got Yarrow. Who else have you got on your list? Well, I did have Kurt Irvine, but we've already mentioned him. I mentioned Kurt um, Irvine. Sorry, so there's three. I'll, I'll move on to the next one. Uh, and this one will strike fear into the Annette's family, should they be listening. Andrew Sharp. Oh, yes. Um, now. Andrew Sharp, who it is a miracle to me. If you look at Andrew Sharp and you look at his trophy or medal cabinet, it's a miracle to me that this absolute donkey has so many medals in his cabinet because what was he? He wasn't a forward. He wasn't a defenseman. What was he other than an agitator and a liability? Um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention names here, but I remember one game in which Andrew Sharp was involved where he got a 10 minute penalty. He returned from this 10-minute penalty and he was gobbing off at the referee, which I, if I think I remember right, was Matt Thompson. His team captain then came over and said, please, just give him another 10. We're better without him. Give him another 10 and he's gone. 
And I remember that. And I've never, <laughs> ever, ever, like in, in all my years involved in ice hockey, I've never heard a player beg a referee to bin their own player. Never heard yeah. it before. And I just don't understand Andrew Sharp. He couldn't play as a forward. He couldn't play as a defenseman. His skating wasn't great. And I just don't really understand him. By any chance, was that person who asked him, does he have um, sons that play in the Premier League at the moment? Maybe. 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 Okay, thought so. Um, but yeah, it's very true. And the thing is as well, is that, as you say, Andrew won... He's got an EIHL title, Elite League title, Elite League playoff, three-time EPIHL champion, two-time EPL, EPIHL cup champion. Fine. I know I can remember when he signed for Guildford um, in 2011. They had a very talented team that year. Yeah. Lots of lots of talented guys. They also had guys who could handle themselves in that team, but you had the likes of Curtis Huppy, you had um, a Greg Chambers, you had um, and such like. They had a very talented squad. And the reason they signed Sharp was they wanted protection. And the crazy thing is, is that they got that protection and they felt better about their game straight away. Yeah. I mean, he and that's probably why, that role. That's probably why Guildford, that, that era of Guildford where they went, what, back-to-back league titles, back-to-back cups, back to the, it was the double-double, wasn't it? Yeah. It, that probably gave that team, which was immensely talented, the confidence to go on and win, and win the trophies. Yeah, I mean... Which is crazy. He fulfilled that role. But what actual playing ability did he have? I mean, that that was my thing about Andrew Sharp, is what actual playing ability did he have? Couldn't skate well enough to outskate anyone to be a forward. Couldn't skate well enough to backcheck to be a defenseman. What actual playing ability did he have? Other than the fact that he gave that very successful Flames team a bit of confidence in that they knew that they had an enforcer, what actual playing ability did Andrew Sharp have and obviously, there was the incident, wasn't there, where, you know, Tominet came up on the wrong side of a collision with Andrew Sharp, where he claimed he couldn't stop. Come on, if you're playing professional hockey, semi-professional hockey, and you can't stop, then should you? Should you have even graduated from the Learn to Skate program, like when you were a kid? No, true. It's very true. It's very true. Um, so yeah, so that there's a there's a hockey player who we're disputing his he got under our skins, but probably didn't have a lot of hockey skill. I'm now going to give you a player who there is no doubt had a loss of skill. Okay, and also no doubt is actually quite a nice guy, but as a player, I disliked how he played the game. Okay, uh, I'm trying to work out if I give you clues here. Um, He's a former Guildford Flames player. Uh, is he British or is he? I mean, Guildford were no. well known for having many imports, weren't they? He, he, he was an import yes, for Guildford. The spare, spare, spare import. Uh, this guy was n- uh, never really a spare, spare, spare import. I'd always say he was always, when he when he played, was one of their main players. Melicherik. Correct. Mm. Milos, Milos Melicherik. Yeah. And the reason for this is, is that you had to watch Milos off the puck. He was the most niggly, under your skin, slashy, late hit, just leave this in, just leave that in, elbow, barge, the works. Don't doubt me. Guy racked up points. An amazing forward for that Guildford team. An amazing coach. You talk to someone like, like Chris Wiggins, for instance, 
he's so grateful for what Milos did for him as a young kid in helping bring him through. Like, got so much respect for Milos. And you see the kids that come through at Guildford and yeah. you see that Milos still heavily involved there. And look, I've had conversations with Milos. Nice guy, great to chat with. But as a player, he knew his role. He could be the most talented player on the ice for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then for five seconds could just be that absolute rat that got under your skin and frustrated you. Mm. Same, I guess, with Yaroslav, um, in that he yeah, is one of the similar. nicest guys off the ice. But on the ice, I, I just didn't like him. And Melisherik, I guess, is also a guy that, you know, like you say, you'd be like, what's going on here? What's going on? And Back in those days, you have to remember, there was only one referee, one referee, two linesmen. Milos Melisherik, I don't think, would fit in playing the game the way he did then if he played now because there's two officials and I think he'd be called an awful lot and that would then have a massive impact on his ability to be one of the top players for the Flames that he was during his time there. So I think like his game is certainly one that would not fit in the 2020-21 season. But I've got no doubt if he... I, I, but Milos probably would not be that player and would still... No, he's got the ability to not the, yeah. be that player, hasn't he? Yeah. He, he just was that guy who, look, at the end of the day, Slovakian top flight for years, Czech top flight. Like, he wasn't... He was an outstanding player for Guildford in the BNL and for uh, going forward into the EPIHL as well. Just really good forward. And you would right place, right time, can make the smart pass, can make the everything. But it was just that five seconds in his game where it was, oh, there's just a slash on the knee. Oh, there's just a slash on the glove. Oh, there's just an elbow into the side. Oh, yeah. just got under your skin. Just And I can remember talking to players and just coming away when they were up against Milos on a line. You know you got worked over on that line. Mm. You were in for a hard battle. He was going to fight you for the puck at every breath. Um, and yeah, just, yeah, it was an interesting one. The minute you started talking about Yarrow, I was straight away, I had it on my list before, and I was like, do I bring Milos up now? Because it's kind of similar. Milos, I felt, was a bit more of a, um, a fairer player in some respects, but in other respects was very much just that instigator of getting under your skin, agitator. Yeah. I've got one more to go. How many more have you got to go? I've got one more, but I want to make two in passing reference as well. Okay. All right, then. In that case, I will do my final one. And this is not going to be popular, I don't think. But my final one is Scott Spearing, who was a player that I absolutely used to hate to have to play against. And don't forget, he did play a year in Slough as well. Um, Dare I say it, that year, year, uh, Mo got a lot out of him. He was on the same line as... Chico, uh, sorry, yeah, no, in that he year was really and... good in that year. But then I just think, you know, obviously we talked, didn't we, year, uh, weeks ago about Andre Payet and the way he coached that Sheffield team, knowing that he didn't have the most talented roster. And I think like Scott kind of, you know, Scott was a well-known agitator, wasn't he? He played a very agitating game. But the thing is, there was an ability there as well to be an out-and-out forward. But I think towards perhaps like, you know, the the end of his career, Scott was well known as being an agitator. And he's a nice guy off the ice again. You know, that's the thing. Like, we're berating all these people. Um, I've never spoken to Andrew Sharp personally. I can't comment on how uh, nice he is off the ice. But, you know, Scott off the ice, nice people. 
uh, nice person, you know, like lovely family, lovely family guy and that. Does a lot for the kids as well now. But as a player to play against, he just got under my skin because Scott played a, a clever game. He was, um, he knew exactly how far to push and he knew what buttons to push and he played a very clever game. And for that reason, he was one of the players that got under my skin. Yeah, it's it's quite funny, is it? Because uh, like, there's players that get under your skin for multiple reasons. Scott, I didn't have as much of a problem with it. I think I think Scott sometimes the reputation went before him. I, I think back to that year in Slough, uh, where he played up with Mo and Chico, and really like that was his highest scoring um, uh, career season. Yeah. And did a really good job, created a space on the ice for for the pair of them. A, a good Slough team as well, and then obviously went to base next year. And I know he had a um, he suffered a very bad knee injury, which basically, I'm, I, it's kind of one of those, look, look through the looking glass. That's 10 years ago. Scott coming off that amazing season that he had in, in Slough, moves down the road to Basingstoke. If he doesn't have that knee injury that just wiped him out, could he? would it have been a very different story we're telling here about Scott? I'm not saying Possibly, that. Possibly, yeah. It, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have still agitated and got under skin. That was his game. But I still think he would have been, he could have been easily like playing on those lines with a couple of imports in the EPIHL. And I know he did throughout his time, but maybe would have just, uh, and he had some bad runs with it. Like he obviously had the injury very late in his career as well, which look, be grateful he came back and played from. Well, it could have been a, season, uh, a career ending injury, career ending, couldn't it? But yeah. he fought back. And you, you just sit there and you go, my goodness me, like this is, <laughs> he had battles throughout his time. Um, in terms of injury and, and like he, to me he was one of the what's the word I'm looking for here I'm going to use he was one of the smarter agitators out there yeah. as you rightly said he knew what buttons to press he knew not only just to wind up opposition team but if you wanted to wind up a fan base he could also do that as well mm. and I just think sometimes he was he was actually quite smart with it and yeah, just knew right I'm going to press he played that the game just going to press this button and, oh, look, you've gone off. See you later. Bye. Yeah. Um, but that's sometimes what you need in that team, especially in that the era of B's team he played in where it was a gritty team. It was a hard team. It, sometimes he just had it right, but I can understand how he got under. Look, there's enough times you could go, oh, yeah, he did just he did just get under your skin. Um, right. The two very quick mentions I want to go, proper old school okay. ones here. Andy. Andy Bezo from the London Knights. He played 19 games in this country, but I don't think anybody will ever forget one of those 19 games, including infamously offering out the whole of the Air Scottish Eagles bench in a playoff game. Type it in on uh, YouTube. Andy Bezo, that's B-E-Z-E-A-U. It is well worth watching. Proper madman. Uh, Again, just I'm not a massive fight fan. That's one of the biggest problems. Um, Oh, I love it. I yeah, it. it just just got under the skin. Uh, same same as well. Really old school from Basingstoke in the Super League. Doug Sinclair, ninety five to ninety seven, played there. Was loved. Still talked about down in Hampshire as just one of those players. Uh, I, I I think that again, my memory of him as a Bracknell fan was going. God, he's just a he's just a guy who goes about. He's a big hitting fights. Probably didn't play as many games. Didn't put up as many points as he could have done because he was a bit more of the aggressive side. But yeah, there was a guy. The guy I want to bring up though is actually my one British player that has made it onto my list. Okay. And this, look, 
I'm going to take a deep breath before I do this one because I reckon you might react to this as well. There was an era in the EPIHL, and I'm going to say the team to you, and I'm going to ask you to name the line. Milton Keynes Lightning, third line. In the mid, at the end of the noughties. So we're talking here, uh, Michael Wales, uh, Grant McPherson. Would it be Irvine as the third one on that line? Yeah, Matt Tawalski on that line. Matt Tawalski. Yeah. And you got it, nailed it on the first one. Michael, Michael Wales. Wales. That Milton Keynes line, you knew, like, we talk about how summer, you can sit there right now with most of the teams in the league, you go, I reckon those guys are going to be back there. You knew in Milton Keynes, you could always write, right? Jameson, Christie, Hollyhead. And then you just went, Wales, Twelski, McPherson. Yeah. Straight away, all three of them on there. Grant McPherson, just a great agitator. No other way to describe it. Like, I, I kind of like him for that respect. He's just a good agitator. Matt Tawalski, I think unfairly gets pigeoned into that category um, because certainly by the end of his time at the Bees, at the Bison, at the Jets, really showed what a guy he is. Yeah. I never understood Michael Wales. Now, never understood it. As an, opposition, as an opposition player at Milton Keynes, I accepted McPherson. I accepted Tawalski. I didn't accept Michael Wales. I always just sat there with him and I just was like, he just I just got under my skin. I was like, what does he bring? What does he do for this team? And then he got signed in Basingstoke. When I can remember Doug saying, I'm signing Michael Wales. With Slough's issues, I'm signing Michael Wales. And yeah. I went, why? <laughs> and then I saw what Muzzy does in a dressing room and what Muzzy does as a team and what Muzzy does everywhere else. And I just went, holy, I understand this now. Yeah. I get this. And I think you had a very similar epiphany as well. Do you know what? He would have been on my list other than the fact that I think that in Milton Keynes, he was just doing the job that he was told to do. And I think then when he came and he signed, I remember Slava telling me, sign Michael Wells, he's going to be our club captain. And I sat there for a moment. I thought, really? And then, you know, like meeting him, talking to him and just watching him even for the preseason, I thought, great move, Slava. Genuinely great move because I just think Michael Wales was given a role in Milton Keynes that he played. And I think when he came to Slough, Slava gave him a different role and he played it and he was very good at it. He proved that he could play ice hockey. He proved that he was a top leader. The players looked up to him. The players respected him. He was always the one, you know, even after a tough game, when we did Jets TV interviews, he'd always be the one that'd say, do you want a word with me? And he'd front up for it. Even like, you know, if we'd lost and we'd lost badly, he'd quite happily come out and say, do you want a word with me? Um, again, in Basingstoke, just the job that he did in Basingstoke as well. And let's not forget that Michael Wells did have that horrendous, horrendous ankle injury, didn't he, as well, which he fought back from, which could also have been a career-ending injury. He fought back from that to return to the game. And in Milton Keynes, I would entirely agree with you. You know, Michael Wales would be someone who got under your skin. But then I just think, and the reason he didn't make my list is because I just think he was just doing the job that he was told to do 
And when he came to Slough and then when he moved to Basingstoke, it was a different job that he had to do. And he did that different job. And certainly in Slough as captain, he led that team well. He was a great leader. Players looked up to him. Players respected him. And you knew with Michael Wales that he would not expect any of his team to do anything that he would not do. Never afraid to back away from a battle for a puck. Never afraid to step away from a scrap if there was one. And never, ever would Michael Wales have expected any player he captained to do anything that he would not be prepared to go out there and do himself. And for that reason, the reason that, you know, I got to... Well, for the reason I got to know Michael Wales and I got to see him both for Slough and for Basingstoke and see how very, very different a player he was other than the role that Nick Paul had clearly given him in Milton Keynes. I just thought, no, I can't put him on that list because although he was someone that I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, I hated Michael Wales, got under my skin. I'm sure a lot of people... Even now, people who aren't either Slough fans or Basingstoke fans who got to see the best of him for their teams, I'm sure they'd say, do you know what, Graham, you're right. Yeah, he was a horrible player. Uh, Really didn't like the way he played. But for me, getting to know him and understanding that in Milton Keynes, he was Michael Wales that played the role Nick Paul gave him. But that wasn't the actual Michael Wales. That was no. a part of what Michael Wells could bring to the game. But when Slava brought him in, gave him the captaincy and allowed him to play a different game, I think we saw a different player, which obviously Doug Shepard then saw because he picked him up and signed him in Basingstoke as well. And, you know, also not only that, even if you remember back when he broke his ankle, a horrendous injury, could easily have finished his um, could easily have finished his career, but as soon as he was able to, he was there back at the rink in the dressing room, talking to players, motivating players. You know, he was around the rink on crutches, talking to fans. And I guess that for for me, that's the reason the Michael Wales. I think that Michael Wales was post Milton Keynes, post Nick Paul, would scrub out the fact that he was somebody that could have been on my list because you just think about him as a leader on the ice, as a player on the ice, and everything he did off the ice for the clubs that he was involved in as well. Even when he could quite happily have been sat at home with his feet up, you know, with a broken ankle, potential career-ending injury, there he is at the rink doing whatever he can to support his team, still being there to interact with the fans. So for me... I get why you've put him on there, but that was the reason that I didn't put him on there. No, and it's it's funny, like as you say, like the the hindsight pickers, I don't put him on there. But just at that era, we're talking that that Milton Keynes turn of the millennium era. It's not millennium, turn of the decade era. He was an integral part of that success they had, and it was through his nitty gritty style of hockey that oh got under your skin. But you began to see it change. The minute he moved out of whatever that system was in Milton Keynes, he was allowed to go elsewhere and express himself as a player. Yes, he probably doesn't make the list fully, but I have to put it on there as well. At the time, this guy just got under my skin. I have to mention this. Are there not Uh, other players, perhaps, of a similar mould? Like, Let's take, for example, James Galazzi who was a kind of played a similar game to Michael Wells did at one stage. 
And we've now seen under Doug Shepard, James Galazzi, I know it seems a strange thing to say, but develop as a player. And James is not, you know, he's proving to everybody that he's not a one-dimensional player, which some people listening to this who aren't Bees fans may think, oh, why have you signed him? Just a waste of a spot. But when you look at James, I think now he's been given freedom to go out there and express himself as a player, and we're seeing that. James will still stick up for his teammates if there is a need to do so, but James will also contribute to a game in terms of points production. And I guess... you know, but, it just does does it perhaps depend on the coach and the system, your assessment of the player, like Michael Wales and the Nick Paul system? You know, are we now seeing a different James Galazzi under Doug Shepard and the Doug Shepard system to we saw before? Well, but I, I want to go back to when uh, James broke. I want to, I'm not going to use the word broke through, but I'm going to have to. You go back 10 years to when Gaza first walked into yeah. the Bees team. He wasn't... <sighs> I think he. I think James sometimes gets a really hard rap from opposition teams. Um, I think some of the stuff that people like to go after James on isn't the stuff to go after him on, because when he broke into the bees team at, at like a decade ago, he was a pretty good hockey player. Yeah, and I don't think that ever went away. Uh, I think that just got because of the changes that occurred at the bees, and because of, and because of, again, was he asked just to change his. To, into the system and whatever it the role he was given yeah was he under has he been underestimated in his career potentially because as i say you go back to when he broke into that beast i can i can remember when he when it was announced he was moving from the hornets to the bees and i can remember there being a bit of a bit of a fan wave about it he's like yep this is the best player that is in the hornet system right now he's going to step up and he's going to make a big impact at this level and he kind of has He's held. He's more than held. More than held his own in the EPIHL, and as you say, like you look, we were talking what six months ago about the Italian import James Galazzi, yeah, because he was just racking up the points and, and doing whatever. I, I do feel that sometimes you you label a player. I think that's what definitely happened with Michael Wales at a point in his career. He just got put a label on him. Michael Wales is that guy. That's all he's going to be. Mm. When actually he had so much more to offer. And I think maybe James did. I think James came into the Bees team, put up decent points, contributed well to the team. And was then all... put in a role that kind yeah, of pigeonholed uh, him, didn't it? Yeah. And then pigeonholed him into, oh, he's this player. And it's like, well, like, and this is the thing, like, I'm I'm sat here, I'm trying, like, when we came up against the Bees in Basingstoke, I don't walk away from a game going, oh, Galazzi was this player, Galazzi was that player. I was like, it's just a pretty decent hockey player. Yeah. It just, I think people just, oh, he's that guy. Oh, you know, it's. it's oh, I'm not like saying James has ever been a bad player. But no. what I'm saying is, no, like, when you brought up the, Michael the, Wales, was it that you hated the role Michael Wales was given to play, and then saw a different side to him when he played for Slough for Basingstoke? Is that maybe similar to James? Because I know that there are people who dislike him, uh, and if you ever get the chance to speak to him, he's a nice chap. Speak to him if you can. Is that perhaps the same with James? He was given a role to play and he was a good enough player that that's what he did. He played that role and yet now we're seeing him playing a different role and we're seeing back to when he first broke through and there was all this, the talk about him and all the talent. We're now seeing that being put back to fruition 
And let's not forget, last year, of course, was James's 10th season, which started with a pre-season injury. Look at the work James did off the ice to get himself back as quick as he did. And having had like a nasty injury, James could have shied away from the physical side of the game, but he didn't. Never once did he pull out of a hit when he came back. And, you know, when you add in the fact that he can drop the gloves, he can look after his teammates, to the fact that he is also our Italian import, who is, of course, the IHA trained. Um, You know, I just think sometimes some players fall foul of the system and the role that they're given. Like, you know, I look back to Andrew Sharp. I don't think under any coach would I have liked the way Andrew Sharp attempted to play his game. But, you know, when you look at Michael Wales, yes, he got under people's skin at Milton Keynes, played a different role. I guess there will be people listening now who will say, you know, like who aren't Bees fans who will say, well, I, I hate Galazzi, hate Galazzi. But do you really hate the James Galazzi of now who is going out there and playing a different game to the game that he played three or four years ago? Because that was the role that was given to him. I guess some, what I'm trying to say is sometimes players do get a bad reputation because of the role that's given to them and because they do what their coach has asked of them. You know, if you think back to, uh, you know, to, to some of the players you've mentioned, Milos Melicheric, that's just the way he played the game. I, I don't think he was sent out there and told to play the game that way. That's just the way he played the game. But in terms of, say, Michael Wales, I think he was given a role and he was good enough that he played that role. And that's why he got under your skin. And maybe the same with James. He was given a role under previous coaching in Bracknell and he was good enough that he played that role and he's probably got under a lot of people's skin playing that role but now we're seeing him getting a chance to express himself and again show all that potential that he came into the bees with we're now seeing it at the other end as he prepares to start his 11th season indeed right that was good fun discussion I enjoyed that we sort of went on a variety of topics there really good so can I bring something up before you start your challenge of course Graham and I have a conversation before we start this podcast (laughs) every week. And Graham said to me, and here we are now approaching an hour and a half. Graham said to me, it'll just be a quick one this week, a short one. And here we are approaching an hour and a half. See, I I like to adapt my timings for you. I'm trying to say something else there, but keeping it as family friendly as possible. Anyway, uh, right. So the challenge. Mm hmm. Now, last weekend, obviously, in the uh, COVID-19 world, we saw the NFL draft take place virtually. It's an opportunity for the teams to pick up who's going to be the next stars. Yeah. And it got me thinking. Oh, please don't ask me about NFL. I know nothing about NFL. We're not going to do NFL. Don't panic Oh, that's on that all right, front. then. Don't panic on that front. What we're going to do, we're going to put all the players that played in the NIHL National last year yeah. into a pot. We're going yep. to take the Bees players out of it because I always feel it's important we take them out of it. Okay, so all the other players go in the draw. We are going to select teams. And I say teams. So not just a line this time. An not just team. a line. It's a team. And it's got to fulfill all the roles. So you'll need a netminder, backup netminder. You'll need four or five D-men. We'll decide this fully in the week. You'll then select your lines but obviously you'll need like a checking line so you can't go out and just sign the nine top point scorers in the league you'll have to select the team and it's in a draft format as well you'll get the first pick i'll then get the next two picks 
You get the next two picks. I get okay. the next two picks. Wow. We'll do a draft of our because t- it becomes interesting. So this is sudden, next week's podcast. Is this, a, next week's next podcast. week's podcast is our draft. So we 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 could be hating each other by the end of next week's podcast. Yes, because yes. It, I, I I'm quite I feel it could be quite a challenge because instantly you're sat there and you're going well. I've given you the number one pick. Congratulations. You have the number one pick in the draft. So you know going into it, right, I'm going to pick this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, spoiler alert, it would have been Roman Malenik, but I've taken it away from him. Um, Well, it would have been, yes. So you kind of, okay, so now I'm sat there going, right, who's he picking as his number one pick? Yeah. Because I've then got to go, well, who am I picking two and three? Mm. And for instance, with his number one pick, does he go for a point scorer? Does he go for a netminder does he go for a demon yeah it's a real you've got this is a real challenge now for both of us isn't it because it's all right for me to say right first up i am picking player x to play in position x but then obviously you're thinking right who's he gonna have and who can i have and then i'm thinking right i've now had a pick graham's had two picks who's left for my next yeah. two picks and it re- this really is a challenge actually <laughs> yeah. i feel next week's podcast will not be a short one no we might have to do some proper preparation for it as well um because you, i'm gonna have lists i do fantasy drafts for nfl i do it for oh the that's NFL. unfair you've got experience there as well <laughs> it's you can do mock drafts if you know about the nhl and you can do them yeah uh, but yeah it's a real a real head scratcher because right. you, can i confirm here Two imports. Two imports only. Two imports only. And what's the uh, what's the ruling on reclassified? Are we going along the Swindon and Milton Keynes route, or are we just saying no? We will allow reclassified players because they are the rules of the competition. Okay. So if you end up in your team having, for instance, uh, Liam Stewart, Max Brabeer, it's fine. Yeah. Okay? But remember, so I'm going to lay it down. You've got to have two netminders. Yep. You've got to have six D-men in pairs. Yeah. And then nine forwards, three lines of three. Yeah. Okay. It's a real challenge, this one. Mm. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the- putting all those names in the hat. Yeah. And then it's all about drafting strategy as well. Which way <laughs> will you go? Which way will I go? Like By the time I've thought about this, the next podcast will be happening just about the time that we go back to removing social distancing. <laughs> because I'm really looking forward to hearing the moment where it's when you get to that when I will do my third pick, yeah, you'll have the fourth pick, and it might be with the third pick I take your fourth pick. Yeah. Do you know what? I might really put the pressure on with this. I'm tempted to put it on the clock as well. You've only got like 30 seconds per pick. Oh, my word. Do I need the countdown jingle already? Oh, no, no. We could just, we'll just time it ourselves on the clock, but I might, put, might do 60 seconds early doors, and yeah. Mm. It's going to be like, who wants to be a millionaire, isn't it? Is that your final answer? Oh, it, it might be. Um, <coughs> I mean, does I mean the question? Only question I got asked is: Does Ashley Smith count as a backup netminder? Uh, <laughs> well, <maybe. laughs> well, I can tell you now. If you want him, he's yours, mate. I'm not having him. I'll, I'll give you that. That's the number one pick. Sort of. There we are. So that's Graham's. That's the second pick in the draft gone. So yeah, next week, fans, we're going to try and do an NHL draft. It's uh, sorry, a draft for the EPIH. Sorry for forgetting my leagues here for the NIHL. 
a draft. Mark has got the number one pick. Maybe tweet in your suggestions to him about who he should take as his number one pick in the draft. Uh, Mark, pleasure as ever. How can fans keep up to date with all the latest from the TSI world? Bratnell Bees? Well, as always, you can head to our website. That is bracknellbees.com. If you're on social media, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at Bees Ice Hockey. And we are on Instagram as well at The Bracknell Bees. We're also on Twitch, though, aren't we, Grave, now for the Be At Home Cup? Yep, just straight Bracknell Bees on Twitch for that one. Just Bracknell Bees will do the job there. Oh, Um, and, and, and we're on TikTok, aren't we, as well now? We are on TikTok. We forgot about TikTok. We completely forgot that Buzz is now going to be making appearances on TikTok. And I'm, it's the moment in my life where I've decided I have to just let this go. I cannot, I'm, I'm not going to engage with TikTok. It's not going to be like my, when my dad tried to join, join Instagram. It's not happening. Instagram is my era. I've got TikTok actually. <sighs> Never use it. I've got it. I just every now and then go in and clear the notifications because I can't I'm, stand them on my phone. I might just delete it. TikTok and Snapchat. Just to completely oh, pass me by, completely Snapchat. pass me by both of them. I've yeah. been, and for a man who works in social sports media, probably not a good thing. <laughs> right, that's it. When we restart commentary next week, uh, next season rather, when we restart commentary, there's going to have to be a Snapchat of me and Graham every week that goes out. As a man who doesn't understand it, that's something for you all to look forward to. Yes. And I hope lockdown is extended forever. <laughs> well, it might very well be if I still have to come up with this entire draft thing, having never done a draft before. <laughs> Maybe get some advice. There'll be people who will help you out. Yeah. Anyway, oh, here we go. I can already I can already sense Dave Williams on the phone to you right now. Uh, you'll have come a draft on, room next. Come on, you'll come have on, a draft week. You'll have a draft week. You'll have a big Zoom call with all your advisors on it. I can yes. already sense it. I tell you what, as I can't pick him, I could have Roman Malenik as my head of you scouting. Could you could too. See, yes. all of a sudden, you're building your front office out. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. head of scouting. I'm going to go for the Bill O'Brien approach. I'll be the head coach and the uh, the uh, director of football, if you don't mind. So it's all yeah. fine. Uh, Mark, most importantly, get better. Hopefully, the back Thank you, mate. And you too. Week. I hope the, the spider mite doesn't get any worse. Well, it's only if Peter Parker starts presenting the yes. podcast next week do you have to be in for any issue. But uh, most importantly, to each and every one of you who's listening, thank you very much as ever for doing so. Do leave a review. Do leave a um, rating across all the podcast platforms. Really great. And for don't what forget we're to listening. subscribe. And subscribe, more importantly, just helps our algorithms. But most importantly of all right now, please be safe. Please be aware. Please do take care of yourself and each other. And until next time, when it is draft week, take care of yourself and goodbye. Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.